Greater Than Zero Percent is a 501c3 nonprofit that's on a mission to share stories of organizations from around the world that are changing lives. We have weekly episodes featuring amazing nonprofits and monthly episodes interviewing top business executives. You can find us at gtzp.org on your preferred streaming or social media platforms. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Today, we have David Michael, who is the Executive Director and CEO of Habitat for Humanity of the Tri-State. David, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's great to be here, Joseph. I appreciate the invitation to come on board and, and talk about some things that are near and dear to my heart. Yes, thank you. And now, so Habitat for Humanity is probably one of the more widely recognized nonprofits in the space. So I'm really excited to, to learn more about what you're doing in the tri-state area. But before we do, what is the mission of Habitat for Humanity of the tri-state? Well, our mission statement is seeking to put God's love into action. We partner with people to build homes, communities, and hope. Uh, it's pretty simple, straightforward. Um, we, I, my favorite part of it, though, is the hope side of the, the equation at the end of that um, you know most folks don't really associate the work that we do with building hope um, and that's just it is a really neat opportunity to talk to folks about how owning your own house um, creates a whole different um, arena of hope for a family that's never had that opportunity before yeah wow um, so why you why is this how uh, a decision you've chosen and a path you've chosen for yourself right now well, you know, I've, I've been here um, in this role uh, with Habitat for Humanity Tri-State now for 17 years, just wow. started the 17th year on July the 1st, or excuse me, on August the 1st. Congrats, um, so yeah. It's, it's been a good run. Um, I, I have to say that um, I, I've worked for not-for-profit organizations for the majority of my, my post-college career path. I've spent a little bit of time working with some engineering consulting firm uh, along the way, worked with a startup for-profit business here in the Huntington area that um, in my role that I was uh, as a business manager, I could see myself working myself out of that position. Mm. So it was kind of time to um, get back in the nonprofit arena. And so I was able to accept the position with another uh, not-for-profit organization uh, for about four years before I came on board with Habitat. Um, you know, it's, it's been interesting, all of the my my stops along the way in the nonprofit arena have all been about um, providing access to something that someone didn't have prior to whatever the project was, be it right. public infrastructure, you know, water, sewer, um, uh, economic development projects, whether it was access to a, a, you know, a buildable site or job creations or combination of the two, an access road into an economic development site. Um, I did some recreation type projects and some historic preservation projects along the way. And it wasn't until uh, this position came open that, uh, you know, after I interviewed and now I've been on board, like I said, for 17 years, um, there was always something that was, while it was very gratifying work of having, you know, helping someone who didn't have access to those things um, get access, gain access to that there was just a little something missing along the way and, and when we come back to habitat and the mission and you know being a christian organization um it was kind of like a hand and glove fit for me uh, so that that really was important for me to as as my next step along the career path um my my pastor at my church lead pastor at my church that we attend here in the huntington area 
Um, and I've talked a lot about this. I've, it's one of those things I struggled with for a long, long time during early years, middle school, high school, early college, post-college even about full-time ministry. And yeah. uh, my pastor and, and I talk about this a fair amount. And, and he actually did, we did a table talk um, very similar to what you and I are doing now at our church one Sunday uh, was back in June, I believe it was. And I, I talked to him, I talked to the congregation or we talked about this whole kind of internal struggle about full-time ministry. No, you know, what are you doing? You know, how are you furthering the kingdom? And, and he, after talking about that for a bit, um, he said, you know, I, he said, you, you don't necessarily have to go to seminary to be, um, a pastor or, yeah. or fill that role. Um, I think you're doing that um, where you're at now. And and I, that, that really meant a lot to me. Yeah. Um, we do have an opportunity to minister to a lot of folks um, throughout our, you know, the work that we do. Um, but you don't have to be um, a Christian faith, um, you know, a believer of, of any faith that that you know we're we're still bound by all the fair housing laws and regulations that everybody else is so um, right. it's just for me it's just a bonus wow right. so you've been there for a while um and i'd love to hear your perspective on kind of what are some of the activities you did initially and, and how they've evolved but before we get to that topic for for people that maybe have never heard about habitat for humanity how would you explain it kind of in an elevator <laughs> I know we did the mission statement, but maybe so more so in, in, in the eyes of the volunteers or in the eyes of the, the people that you're working with and you're impacting. Sure. So we, we work with um, most Habitat affiliates work with folks who fall within the 30 to 60 percent of area median household income. Those income levels are determined. We use HUD, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development's income guidelines. So we don't just make those up. Right. We have data that we base that on. Um, some Habitat affiliates are, you know, we're actually allowed by Habitat for Humanity International to go up to as much as 80% of the AMI uh, of the area that you serve. Um, so, and, and every, a lot of folks equate Habitat with house building and the new house construction piece. And while that still is a large focus of the work that the Habitat 1123 or so Habitat affiliates across the country do and, and the work around the globe in the 70 countries that we work in, there's a lot more to the work that we do now because not everyone needs a new house. Some folks want to, you know, we call it, we have a program called Aging in Place. Mm. Um, and that is simply a, a program that's geared toward typically seniors who don't want to move. They don't want to wow. uproot from where they're at. They love the house that they're in, but it's falling into a state of disrepair. And, and so we're able to partner with them and make necessary critical repairs to their house, be it, you know, maybe an updated electrical plumbing system, heating and air, you know, the roofs may leak and, and you put a new roof on windows, maybe, you know, from the original windows that were installed in 1930 something. <laughs> and so you're able to take those single pane windows out and put in a, you know, an energy efficient window that makes the house a whole lot, you know, function a whole lot more efficiently. Um, we also do uh, programming with veterans. Um, there's, you know, the homeowner education piece that we do uh, that is critical to the success of our future home buyers. Um, and, and there's just, Habitat's, I, I like to tell, it's kind of like an onion. You just keep peeling back all these different layers <laughs> and you reveal all these different things that we yeah. do. It's much more than just that new house project with that single family or that individual 
who will be the new home buyer. Right. Um, right. And that's another thing that sets Habitat apart from some similar organizations is our our folks that apply through our program to to as we well, I shouldn't say get a house but own a house. Right. They're they're just that they're homeowners they're home buyers just like I am. Um, most you know a lot of folks in the country are home buyers. Big difference between my mortgage and a Habitat home buyer's mortgage is we don't charge interest at Habitat, so it's a zero percent twenty. Ours, in our area, ours is a twenty-five year fixed zero percent mortgage. Wow, wow. And then I also read that that the obviously they have some skin in the game in not only the, obviously the, the 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 loan process or the mortgage process, but um, also in the building process. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah, we call that sweat equity. Yeah, sweat um, equity. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I, I, I liken that to our home buyers earn their house twice. Uh, <laughs> on the front end, they're providing their blood, sweat, and tears, as well as a down payment and first year's homeowner's insurance payment and that kind of thing. And on the back end of it uh, is where the 0% Habitat mortgage kicks in. And that right. helps, the, you know, we assure that every home buyer that we have um, is not paying greater than 30% of their monthly income for housing. Yep. Uh, that's the last thing we want is to go someone to go from either being homeless or being cost burdened with excessive rent to owning a house that they can't afford and and it ultimately ends up in foreclosure and that, that's just an awful thing to go through we, yeah. we get to know our home buyers because they do spend time on the work sites they come into our office and do homeowner education classes uh, you know, we sit down and talk with them from, you know, to the application piece all the way to the end when we dedicate the house and then we service their mortgages here in a house. Uh, we're currently serving 68 mortgages here in house wow. um, for our home buyers. So we get, we get to see them on a frequent basis because it's a lot of folks still bring their payment into our office on a monthly basis and drop it off. And it gives us an opportunity to check in with them and say, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, how's, you know, How's Susie doing in school, or how's you know, little Johnny doing in college now that you know when he was she started in the program? You know, you guys started; he was an infant, and now he's in college or something. Yeah, it's just a great opportunity to stay keep that connectivity piece going. Oh. Uh, f fundamental question: Why is there a need for Habitat in Tri-State? What are some of the reasons why you guys are, you know, functioning? <laughs> well, we we. We were founded in uh, February of 1990. So this is this, you know, we've been around for 33 years now and going on 34. And the need has never for affordable housing has never been greater than it is now. Yeah, uh, you know, we have interest rates, I believe, you know, we're looking at folks, if you're going out to the to the conventional mortgage loan market today, you're looking at six, you know, seven, six and a half, seven, eight percent, uh, depending on your you know credit score and very other, you know, other factors that go into that. Um, folks are just, they're just, you know, with inflation, um, the cost of housing, rental housing, you know, especially here in our area, we have several universities and, and there's a lot of folks that are, you know, it's, it's rental market, university rental market housing. And yeah. it, it's just crazy. Some of the amounts that folks are paying in rent. Um, and that reflects down not to the non-college student population. You know, it kind of trickles down. Well, if the, you know, if I can rent my apartment or house for, you know, two thousand dollars to three or four college students, well, I can do the same thing with the family down the street, and folks just can't afford it. You know, mm -hmm. you end up paying greater than fifty percent of your income on housing on a monthly basis, and you have zero money left over to do anything. So folks are putting 
you know, it's just this vicious circle. So when they can't afford to do something and they have access to a credit card, yeah. well, they're going to the grocery store and instead of paying cash for their groceries, they're putting them on a credit card that has 28, 29, 32% interest now. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a vicious, vicious cycle. And, and, you know, coming still kind of on the backside now of COVID, you know, when we hit, when COVID hit and the world kind of shut down for a period of time and folks were doing literally everything from home, you know, there's, and we're still in that, that arena. We're still in that, that time frame where folks are still working from home. There's a lot more students who are homeschooling. Um, yeah. There's a lot more access to college classes online. And it's still just as critical now to have a safe, secure, um, decent house to live in to, to do all those things. Um, it, it's just, and, and be able to afford it is the other part. Um, that affordability piece is, is huge for us. Um, one of the other steps that we took starting in 2008 that, excuse me, that we've carried forward to now is we started making some incremental changes along the way took us about two and a half years to get to this point, but we started making changes to how we build our houses. It wasn't that we were building a bad mm -hmm. house prior to that, we just upgraded. So yeah. we call it a code plus house now. We used to build to what was then three or four years ago was Energy Star certification standards. We still build to that certification, we just don't get that certification anymore. Um, starting next year, we'll go back and start getting that certification again though for each of our new house projects that we complete. Uh, from that time moving forward. So they're super energy efficient. They're affordable on the monthly payment side. Um, they're very functional spaces. They're not, you know, we're not a custom builder. Um, our houses, if we call it safe, decent, affordable and energy efficient housing. Yep. Yep. Wow. So in, in your intro and in, in the mission statement overview, you mentioned, you've briefly touched on uh, the hope aspect of, of home ownership and what it creates. Could you elaborate a little bit on that and kind of what are, what is kind of the mental and, and and experience that these 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 folks have that maybe have never owned a house before and now they do? Like why how is why, how is owning a house so much different than just renting? <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of different aspects of that. Um, one is the security piece. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of times you you end up we end up we encounter folks who have been evicted multiple times, mm. whether it's of mm -hmm. their own cause or some other factor that's that's gone into that. Um, when you own your house, the only way, you know, the only, as I, this is kind of a bad thing to say, the only hammer that I have is yeah. if, so, you know, if someone doesn't pay their monthly payment, we are just like any other mortgage lender, we can foreclose. Right. Um, like I mentioned earlier too, that is a very painful process for us to go through because we do get to know our home buyers so well. Yeah. Um, it has unfortunately has happened, but I think the security piece, getting back to that, um, folks don't, you know, they're not couch surfing. They're not yeah. uprooting their, their family from one apartment to another, to another time after time. They're able to settle in and grow roots right there in their house. You know, we allow our home buyers to choose their building site. So they choose the neighborhood that they live in. Yeah. Um, they, they get to see what that looks like. Because you know we've we've constructed 153 houses so far, wow. um, not including the the home repair projects that we've done and some other projects we've done along the way. Those are just new house projects, um, and, and you can see the impact in the neighborhood. And you can drive by. Yeah, you can identify our houses, and I'm proud of them. 
um, I, I think it's great that you can go by, a, a, you know, any block in our community where we've built houses and say that's a habitat house or that's a habitat house. I, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, the other, the other side of the hope piece is on the on the financial side, mm -hmm. because our mortgages are as affordable as they are. It gives folks to an opportunity to start building wealth. Not only do they, yes. they automatically, you know, when we when folks come into our housing program and they, you know, we close on their mortgage documents, their mortgage loan, just like any other lender does, there's already equity in that house and that property because they put in, like we talked about earlier, the sweat, sweat equity, equity side of it. Yeah. They've helped build their house. They know, you know, they, they, they're not going to come out being a, a master electrician or a, or a licensed plumber, but they know if, how to repair a leak or they know how to change a light switch if it goes astray. Yeah. yeah. An electrician to come out and do that. Um, but there's the wealth building side of it as well. Um, folks, we, we do about every three years, uh, we do an, a home buyer survey, a homeowner survey. And we're getting ready to roll one out for 2024. That will, you know, one of the first questions that we ask in that survey every time we send it out, this will be about our sixth time to do that, um, is, were, well, two questions. One, were you on public assistance of any kind, whether it's for housing, food stamps, whatever it may be, prior to owning your habitat house? And then once you've been approved and, and have lived in your house, are you still on any kind of public assistance? Mm -hmm. And the last time we did that survey, Literally 100% of the respondents were completely off of any kind Jeez. of public assistance, and they were self-sufficient. Yep. Which is another that's that that's another part of that hope process is the self-sufficiency side of it. Yep. Uh, you're not relying on Uncle Sam, or you're not relying on a relative to to bail you out of a situation that you may have gotten yourself into. Um, folks are actually setting aside money. They know that ultimately down the road their refrigerator is going to go out. The heating and air conditioning system is going to have an issue. So they're setting aside money to to make those repairs or to do the upkeep and maintenance on their houses. And it's it's critically important to the, the life of their house. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned home, the homeowner education process. I had I, not heard that this was a part of the programming that Habitat provides. What is that a requirement for everyone to, that, to go through that program or, or what does that provide? It, it is a requirement of every future home buyer to go through a homeowner education series of homeowner education classes. We're fortunate here with my Habitat affiliate. Um, my my homeowner services coordinator is a licensed mortgage loan originator, and she is a certified home buyer counselor. So wow. we we did both of those steps to just lend more credibility to the program that we offer to the public. Um, and and that education piece they cover. The classes, um, they get 40 hours if it's a couple. They get 40 hours of sweat equity credit for that. If it's individual, they get 20 hours. Um, but they cover everything from, you know, budgeting, um, how to manage your money, um, how to choose your homeowner's insurance. Because by and large, the vast majority, you don't have to be a first-time homebuyer, but the majority of our home buyers are just that, first-time homebuyers. So they never had to go out and search for homeowner's insurance. Um, there's legal aspects of homeownership, um, how to be a good neighbor. And then we also offer my construction staff comes in and does a home maintenance class. And it's mm -hmm. just a very basic, you know, this is how you wash your siding. Um, yeah. you, know, this is, you need to clean your gutters out at least twice a year. You know, just simple things that a lot of us who are, are have owned a home for a while, you know, those are just things we automatically, we know, but, you know, I, I was fortunate. My parents owned their house uh, when I was growing up and, 
my dad, I got to watch my dad do these things, or I got to pull right alongside my dad, and he would say, you know, come help me do fill in the blank. Yeah. And and so he taught me those skills, and and so now I get to go now that they're older, and and uh, well, my dad will be 81 in December, my mom will be 81 in April. Um, they don't need to be on a ladder um, to clean out their gutter, so I go up and to their house and do that for them um, a lot of times, and it's just it's beyond the gutter piece but it's just you know if you need to you know how to paint you know if you want to change the yeah. color of your room there's you can't just go in and throw paint on the wall so they teach those kinds of skills um as well as the the, the learning side of it as well with again but getting back to the financial management piece and some yep. other odds and ends along those lines wow oh uh, before we started rowing, you also mentioned a, kind of a, a, a unique aspect of the, the tri-state arm is is the veterans aspect of, of what you all do. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you're serving veterans. Well, we have a couple of programs. Uh, 2012, we started working on a partnership with our local uh, VA Medic Veterans Affairs Medical Center uh, through their Community Resource and Referral Center, who work, works with, still to this day, works with homeless veterans in our community. And getting them housed. Um, that is on the rental side, and we could spend I could spend hours talking about this. Whole thing, <laughs> we won't want to. I don't want to bore your audience with that. But <laughs> it was it's a really neat program. We rolled out. We in conversation with the case management staff at the VA that we work with, and the veteran the potential veterans that we would be serving through this program. We spent a year and a half in the program design piece, just to, just to kind of hone in because we had never worked directly in that space. So we wanted to make sure that we were doing this and doing it correctly. Right. Um, so we narrowed down to the greatest need was for individuals and couples that needed the next step in the housing continuum. Um, we were able to prove to the VA and others that I could put, I say I, we could put two veterans in two brand new what we call veteran cottages um, for the same monthly payment that one of those either individuals or couples was paying to rent in our community. Wow. And we actually, when you look at the, the hard numbers, it's actually more of a three to one ratio. Jeez. Um, so we, we've, we have constructed 12 of our veteran cottages to date. And I say cottage because they're one bedroom, 640 square feet. Yeah, um, they're absolutely they're amazing little units. They are super, super energy efficient. We build those to the exact same construction standard as we do our regular typical habitat houses. Um, the big difference is it's just for an individual or for a couple. It's a one bedroom. So we can't have, you know, we don't need kids and grandkids and brothers and sisters and, you know, a multiple, you know, more than two people in that space. It's just yeah. not large enough. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, are the affordability piece. And when I say this to folks, they kind of go, there's just no way that you do this, but we do it every day. Um, we have a 0% habitat mortgage. Mm -hmm. And then we have all but one of these are in the city of Huntington, West Virginia. So on behalf of the city, in addition to escrowing normal things, property taxes and homeowners insurance, we also escrow their municipal service and refuse fees. So for those 11 home buyers that are living in the city of Huntington under this program to own their own property across the the average of the 11 is about 285 a month. Jeez. To own their own space. Yeah. 
And then we also give our veterans an opportunity to choose either a 20 or a 25 year mortgage. Yep. Um, some have a little bit higher service connected disability and are able to afford a shorter term. Um, we also have no prepayment penalty. So if they want to go to a 25 year term and they pay it off in 16 years, then great. Um, we'll have a mortgage burning and do the paperwork and, and they own it outright and down the road they go. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely. So, so this program has become a model um, over time. We, <clears throat> excuse me, we rolled out our first uh, two houses, uh, broke ground on September the 11th, 2014. Mm. And literally 60 days later, November the 11th, 2014, we, we dedicated two, they were, they were 600 square feet back then, they're 640 square feet now, but we dedicated two of our veteran cottages 60 days from the, the day we broke ground. Uh, was absolutely incredible for us um, to be able to, to house two folks who have served our country and been homeless you know, on our streets. One of our gentlemen, one of our soldiers who had, had been homeless, he was an Army veteran, um, he was homeless in our community for 36 months. Hmm. and became, got connected with the, the folks at the VA, was renting, had been renting for about two years, had stabilized his physical and mental health issues that he was dealing with. Um, you know, a lot of our veterans who are on the streets don't even have a driver's license or a social security card or can't find their DD-214 or there's just a lot of things that, that go into that equation. And by working with the VA staff, they're able to that's what they deal with on a day in and day out basis that's not something that we do right um, but it was it's been a really great partnership um one of the most gratifying pieces is just being able to partner alongside those who have served our country um, yeah. and provide them with an opportunity it's it's really you know soldiers and i shouldn't say just soldiers those who have served in the military are, are taught self-sufficiency at a very very early time when they're in you know training boot camp whatever you want to call it and they that population doesn't want help sometimes and and it's it's just a tough nut to crack yeah uh, not everyone has the you know the, as far as the habitat side of the equation goes not every habitat affiliate is close to a va medical center or another va facility like we are here in in our community you know we're fortunate that we have we're able to establish those relationships um and and rely heavily on that side of the equation to, to roll out this housing model. The other part of this that's kind of evolved, or I don't want to say kind of evolved, has evolved into a pilot program we're in year two of. Um, we're working directly with central office, um, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and Housing and Urban Development, as well as the Veteran Bill Department at Habitat International on a, on a rollout of this housing model where there's a, there's a housing voucher that's very similar to in characteristics to a section eight HUD housing voucher, rental voucher, mm -hmm. that is called the VASH, it's V-A-S-H, Veteran Affairs Supportive Housing. So the VA provides a supportive housing, the support piece of it, Habitat's providing the supportive or the housing piece of it. And the beautiful marriage of this is, and we didn't know this until about three years ago, that that, that voucher, instead of being only for rental, actually can go to home ownership. Wow. And, and as long as that veteran qualifies for those benefits, um, the counseling or the case management piece that the VA provides continues on throughout the life of that mortgage. Wow. Uh, where prior to us gaining that knowledge, 
as soon as we closed on the sale of their house, the, the, the case management side of the equation ceased. Um, and that created a whole other set of issues that we just weren't, as an organization, just weren't equipped to deal with. Uh, we had two of our veterans who, um, one had given up his house um, after living in it for five years. Um, unfortunately, he walked away from it. And six months later, he overdosed and died. Mm. Um, you know, he still had access to that case management piece. The outcome may have been the same, but it may have yeah. also been drastically different. Um, right. Then another six months after he passed, we had another veteran um, who died from suicide as well. And yeah. that was the impetus to, for, for us having discussions with the VA and how can we make this better for our veterans, not us from an organizational perspective, but more on who we're serving through this program and how they can be successful home buyers and live a long, healthy, safe life in their new house. Yeah. Um, it, wow. it, it's, it was heart-wrenching to go through both of those occasions for both my staff and I because we just weren't equipped to do, deal with that. Uh, thankfully, the VA has provided us resources to not only help my staff and I deal with situations like that and identify um, you know, possible triggers that, that could come along for folks that may be having those you know, suicidal thoughts. Um, they've also provided us resources that we can provide to the families. Of, yep. of, you know, the survivors of, of folks that may have to go through that same type thing that we did, except more on a personal level because it's their family member. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What does the future hold? <laughs> well, what do you hope to, to see, you know, five, 10 plus years from now? Well, we are still kind of new in our six county habitat tri-state space. Yep. Uh, we have two counties in West Virginia, two counties in Ohio, and two in Kentucky. Our, our strong suit, if you want to call it that, our, our ace in the hole is still in our, our two West Virginia counties where one of the two we were originally founded in. So we're still kind of feeling our way through this whole expansion. We have 2,400 square miles in our service area now, which is huge to take up uh, and try to figure out our way through. So it's very rural in nature. Um, mm -hmm. if you look at the map of where we're at. We're right along the Ohio River, Southeast Ohio, Western West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky. And, and by and large, once you get off of those river communities, out of those river communities, the, the, it, it's, it gets very rural and in a hurry. Um, just as for instance, we have less than 140, well, right at 147 people per square mile yeah. in our service area. Um, so it's, it's a challenge just figuring out those housing solutions and working in a more rural setting because we typically have worked in sort of for us, it's an urban setting. I know uh, a community with a population of 50,000 in a lot of places around the country, you know, folks are going, well, that's just one neighborhood or that's a two block area here, you know, whatever. Um, that's the second largest city in the state of West Virginia is Huntington mm -hmm. at a population of just a shade under 50,000. Um, so that, you know, that, and again, that's our strong suit because we've worked there for 33 years. As we've grown into this space, um, or growing into this space, we want to be able to build houses every single year in all six of our counties. Um, mm -hmm. So growing that is, is takes on a whole bunch of different formats for us. That's going to be a staff increase. Um, the other side of it is, uh, is on the partnership side with organizations, churches, um, in particular, one of the things we really, really like to work with and have, have a really long relationship with two of, in particular, 
or the vocational schools or career and trade center schools here in our communities. Um, we have eight now in the six counties that we work in, and we really aren't, we haven't established those relationships yet with um, the other six, but we're working on that. And, and once that happens, those students are able to come out of the classroom, work right alongside my construction staff and, and our volunteers. And, and it just, it's, a, um, it's like a force multiplier. You know, the house production increases ex exponentially and those students get hands-on, real life, real time, just like they're being, well, even though they're not being paid, but just like they're working for a paid contractor for their, you know, or maybe go out and start their own business. They, it kind of gives them a taste of what that would be like. Yeah. Um, the other opportunity that they get is working right alongside our home buyers because they're required to put in at least 100 hours of sweat equity on the construction of their own houses. So um, it, it, there's this, and, and then the, there's the giving back to the community piece as well. Um, that that is kind of you know so it's kind of this really neat um, you know it's just a really cool picture to paint uh, when you start talking about working with juniors and seniors in high school um, adult education you know adult learners who are doing heating and air conditioning or you know whatever it may be and then getting them out to 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 help us out it, yeah. it's just a great opportunity um, some of our our um, High schoolers in particular, um, we've had a few that have actually taken the step to either join a local union, say the International Brotherhood of Electric Workers, or the Plumbers Union, the Carpenters Union, um, and become apprentices there with the goal of being, you know, a licensed electrician or a plumber or whatever down the road. Uh, we've actually had a couple others who have partnered with, uh, I guess you can partner with your parents or your family, yeah, and have joined yeah. in on a construction company. And, and really have, have taken that deep dive. And it's not not solely because of the work that we've done with them or they've done with us, but that's a large part of it. Wow. Oh, oh. There's so much more than just the, the kind of the initial assumption of what Habitat does. So thank you so much for going into the details and sure. the 99% of other things that are going on behind the scenes. Wow. So one other thing that's really cool, and this is on the student side of the equation. We, I, I I haven't been able to research this to say this with 100% surety or 100% fact, but I think we may be the only Habitat affiliate in the country who has worked with a group of middle school shop students. Mm. Um, we have a group that we've worked with two years in a row, April of last year, April of this year, in Wortland, Kentucky, which is one of the poorest school districts in Eastern Kentucky. They have a shop class at their middle school, so sixth, seventh, and eighth graders who, you know, age 16 is what, that's the minimum age for an active construction site for Habitat. Yeah. Obviously, those students aren't 16 years old, but since this became a school project, um, we were okay with that, and we're able to work out all the, the behind-the-scenes details on that. So we, the day we do our wall build, and that's the project we do with them is a wall build, um, my construction guys uh, will pre-cut everything, label everything, load everything on our truck. We transport it to the school, which is about a 45 minute drive for us. Um, we get there early enough, get everything set up. They bring the students out. The students spend the morning pounding nails. That's yeah. hammers and nails. At the end of the, once all the walls are completed, we stand them up in the parking lot and they gather around. We screw them together so they don't have to stand there and hold them for, you know, while I talk. 
um, <laughs> and whoever else talks. But and it's a great opportunity to just to step back with those students and say, look what you've accomplished. You you've helped now another family that that has not had access or not been able to have the opportunity to to achieve, if you want to call it the American dream of owning their own property, owning their own house. This is the start of that. Um, we did that um, first year. We had 47 students. Second year, we had 62. Uh, that was a large group to take care of for three hours. Yeah. They yeah. did a fantastic job. We're already in planning stages for this current school year for April of next year, 2024, to do the same project for a third time. And the community wow. has just bought into it hugely. Wow. Well, so people that are listening that are inspired and want to get engaged, probably in the tri-state area mostly, uh, how can they get engaged? What type of engagement do you look for? Well, we have, you know, by, by and large, uh, the mass, the, a lot of the labor that is provided on our house construction side uh, is provided by volunteers. Yeah. And, and that's, that's step number one, if you want to call it that. Uh, we use about 2,000 hours per typical three-bedroom, bath-and-a-half, soon-to-be two-bath uh, house is about 2,000 hours of volunteer time. So if we build eight houses a year, that's, that's 16,000 hours of volunteer time that that we need. Um, and we're gracious enough that our community is, has stepped up in a, in a big way and helped us out with that. Um, having students at Marshall University next door to us is, is kind of convenient as well. Same thing with our high schools in our area because of those students need to do community service. So we become one of those organizations that they like to do community service with, thankfully. Um, we have opportunities for folks on the professional level uh, to serve on our board of directors. That's an all volunteer yeah. space as well. Uh, we have, I've, I've got six, 16 board members currently. Uh, my by, bylaws say minimum of 15, maximum of 20. So I do have a couple open spots if somebody would be interested in reaching out to me and, and talking with me about what that would look like. I have folks that are, have been educators, they're currently employed by, I have a, you know, I have a, a lady in one of my counties who works for a counseling agency. I have two realtors on my board. I have a business consultant on my board. I have bankers on my board. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I have some retired folks on my board as well. Um, and it's, it's really interesting kind of a cross section of our community, which is what we want. Uh, we don't want our board to look, I hate to say this, but don't, we don't want it to look vanilla or plain. We want it to be representative of those that we're serving. And yep. while we're not perfect at it by any means, we do a pretty good job of hitting that mark. Um, the other place that folks can, can help us out um, is, you know, we're, we're like every other Habitat affiliate. Property is golden. Um, and we've been very blessed throughout my time here that folks have chosen to donate property to us in order to build wow. houses on in the future. Yeah. So if folks have that piece of property that they just don't know what to do with or they're tired of cutting the grass on, <laughs> they can reach out to us. We'll put it to good use eventually. Um, and then yeah, there's always the monetary piece. You know, we're like every other nonprofit organization. We do fundraising events. We have. Um, now, now we thankfully we have two Habitat for Humanity restores. One in here in Huntington, West Virginia. The other one that we just opened July of last year is in New Boston, Ohio. Um, folks can donate items to sell in the restore. They can also volunteer their time there. We use between 250 and 350 hours of volunteer time between the two restores each month. So folks are very gracious in stepping up and helping us out with that as well. Yeah. Um, so 
um, they're just a, and, and the other thing, <laughs> you don't have to have any kind of knowledge of construction. Right, right. If you've never had a hammer in your hand or never held a paintbrush, I still encourage you to come out and volunteer. My construction staff and our regular construction volunteer crew are absolutely great at educating folks about how to do whatever the task of the day is and to do it safely, which is of paramount importance to us. The last thing I want to have is someone step on a construction site and get hurt. Um, yeah, yeah. We provide all the tools, we provide all the safety equipment. Um, my construction guys, are, well, two of my construction guys are CPR, uh, first aid, AED certified. Um, they've all been through OSHA classes. Um, so it's, it's, you know, we believe in safety first by yeah. all means. Well, David, I think we covered everything that we can within the time frame. Is there anything we missed or anything you want to leave us with before we wrap up? Well, you know, we just finished a really neat event and I'd like to just kind of plug it for folks to think about for next year. Uh, we just had on August 12th, an, an event that was uh, called She Nailed It. It was our, the end of our women build week. Yeah. That, yeah. It's a really fun week for us as far as the construction side goes, because all of the volunteers that throughout that course of the week are all female, except for my construction staff and my regular construction volunteer crew. Right. Everyone else that comes in is, is all female. Uh, we culminate that event or that week long process and event on, on Saturday, again, called She Nailed It. It's a women's uh, nail driving competition for teams of four. What? It's absolutely so fun. blast to be a part of, to just <laughs> sit back and watch. Um, so that's an ongoing fundraiser for us. Uh, yeah. We challenge our teams to help us raise money for that. We had a, a really, really great silent auction, uh, food, and then the MC was a, was a two-year previous participant in the nail driving competition who was a former radio dj in our area that lots and lots of folks know her and she did an absolutely incredible job this year emceeing our event wow wow awesome well great david thank you so much for your time today really appreciate the work that you're doing for the past 17 years and and, and educating us on what habitat does beyond just obviously the, the core of, of building these homes. So thank you so much for your time. We're honored to share the story and people that are listening, please get engaged. We'll share all the links in the, uh, in the show notes, but David, thanks again for your time. Thank you, Joseph. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for listening to greater than 0% to find more episodes or to have your organization featured on the podcast. You can find us at gtzp.org on your preferred streaming or social media platforms. Find your cause with greater than 0%.